0: Hi, Docolo. Thank you very much, Lee, for hitting play on the Documenteers podcast. This podcast is a documentary discussion podcast where myself and a fellow appreciator discuss a different documentary each week. My name is Bob Sham, and I am usually here, and I thank you for being here with me. Today's episode is the perfect segue to our upcoming Herzog month. In September, the month that bore Werner Herzog, we watched and discuss Werner Herzog films all month long particularly the documentaries. A great way to unwind from the dogged, hot-ass summer. We discuss today, finally, an Errol Morris film. It took over a year and a half to get to it. But this one is important because Werner Herzog told the young Errol that if he finished his film, Gates of Heaven, that he would eat his shoe. Errol did finish it to critical acclaim, and Werner kept his word. Today, we discuss the strange business of pet cemeteries amongst the California elderly, with this film, Gates of Heaven. That descriptor is a bit of an oversimplification, as this film has so many implications and cultural layers to it. Sad and funny never went together so well. Every Friday, we discuss a shorties episode. That usually means short documentary, but we get pretty loose on that definition much of the time. But on Friday, we watched Werner make good on his promise to Errol, and Les Blanks, Werner Herzog Eats His Shoe. Angela joins me on today's episode, and she will be with me on Friday as well. Next week on the show, Herzog Month officially kicks off, and Akil joins me for what might be his first ever Herzog film, as far as I know, and it might be his most prolific in terms of Werner's more contemporary output. We discuss the strange and tragic story of Timothy Treadwell and Werner Herzog's Grizzly Man. Werner's got a knack for capturing both wild nature and and the bina- bizarre nature of humanity. Plenty of both in this one. How will kill react to that infamous tape scene? Find out next week here on the Documenteers Podcast. Only one real song clip, and it happens to be my favorite song written specifically for a film, and it's not Dawkins' Dream Warriors from Nightmare on Elm Street 3. No, it's the Ramones song, Pet Cemetery," from the Stephen King adapted film. We fade out on that one. DocumentersPodcast.com for how to contact us and other things. My poor time management is not allowed for original website articles, but I'm working on it. Five stars interview on Apple Podcasts is very helpful to us. It helps our show get more exposure, and Kirby bless all those who have done so already. We could really use more, and if you can help us out, then it would mean a lot to those of us who spend hours and hours and hours putting this show together. We make nothing on it, And all we want is your five stars in a review. If you've been listening for a while and haven't done so, pretty please. Enough groveling. It's time for Gates of Heaven. Keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. Sixteen thousand separate photographs. Let's tidy up this
1: tangle of film by putting it on a reel.
2: And I pulled one little acre of land right behind the house oh, i say a quarter mile away, overlooked the, uh, the prairie to the north, which was really a beautiful, had the lake site in the back, and I picked that as a cemetery for my own colony. Right across the street from where I lived in Los Altos was the most beautiful piece of land, as far as I was concerned, in the whole valley. And boy, I knew what to do with it, make that into a pet cemetery.
0: Record and take my Jameson, sip my Jameson. Mm. That's the first drink I've had in a very long time.
3: This is when I would normally turn off the podcast because you drank into the microphone.
0: I tried to I make it quiet. I heard it from over
3: here. What, so me, I swallowing? Think, yeah. There is a podcast that I will not mention because I enjoy the people <laughs> who are on <laughs> it, but I completely stopped listening to it well over a year ago because there was one character that was recurring, who was always throwing up in his throat. And I completely stopped listening to the entire thing.
0: You didn't go on the comments thread and declare what you do and don't like about people's podcasts?
3: No, because they're allowed to do whatever they want. But I'm also (laughs) going to turn it off if that happens. But I'm not going to tell them not to do it because that's their thing and some people don't care.
0: I said that like it's happened to me a lot. It really hasn't. But I think I expect it to someday.
3: I don't see the point in telling someone that you don't like what they're doing when it's a free medium that you are choosing to listen to. Because in that moment, just walk away. Sure. If you don't dig it, it's not for you. It's for someone else.
0: Get get the fuck out. The document is that regional cult level of uh, audience. And when our religion goes out and affects society. Then you'll probably get like a lot more of just rando fucking who cares feedback. Mm -hmm. But you're right. If I don't like something, I'll just won't participate. Yeah, I've been trying to practice that more often. Trying to, I don't know. With the exception of recording a documentary thing podcast where we give (laughs) our opinions, but you know what we don't do? We may give our opinions on things here, but we don't go online and, and do Yelp reviews or write our own. Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb reviews or whatever the fuck ever. No. This is where we talk about it. And maybe we'll complain on our website from time to time. (laughs) You will. Yeah.
3: In an article.
0: Maybe someday I'll write my second article for 2019.
3: (laughs) (laughs) One a year. That's the only guarantee is one a year.
0: Angela, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing pretty good.
0: It's Herzog week eve or Herzog month. Eve week. It's the week before Herzog.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so this episode comes out the week before Hertzog That's right. Which is perfect. And this last
0: week of August, we kinda are we're laying down the the path. This Jameson just hit me. I am real s- hard. <laughs> not real hard. I haven't had that much, but
3: I haven't had any a long my time. My
0: tolerance is just flat.
3: Sure. I know that you've been sort of letting people do documentaries they've wanted to do sure. during this month, and this is definitely one that I told you I wanted to do, and I'm really glad that we did. But I completely got it confused with something else, and I didn't realize how much I was going to cry
0: <laughs> during
3: you, this episode.
0: Now you cry through every movie, whether it's like a Medea movie or no, Spider Man movie.
3: Oh, I mean Spider Man, maybe Medea. Come on.
0: Did you cry during Midsummer? Yeah. Okay.
3: I definitely did. Also, I want to see that movie again.
0: Yeah, I hear there's a director's cut coming out in August oh. for a movie that's already three hours long. I it's think
3: two hours. It's a little over two hours. <laughs> I will watch the director's no, it's cut. Th-
0: isn't it three hours long? I
3: think that the previews are over at like nine forty-five, and we got out at like twelve fifteen.
0: You like previews, don't you? I
3: love previews. I feel
0: like I... two and a half hours. I feel like I don't need them. I think depending on what kind of movie you're watching, the previews can be more interesting. Yes. Like if you go to the Bell Court and you see an indie movie, I feel like I see trailers I want to see. But if I go see Avengers, I don't give two fucks about any movie that they talk about.
3: I don't mind them. I don't like getting there while they're already happening. I like to be there before the previews start.
0: Today's movie Mm -hmm. that we're discussing took us so long to get to an Earl Morris film.
3: And we've, I've talked about how he's my favorite. Yeah,
0: we've mentioned him many times. Yeah, it's hard not to if you do talk about documentaries on any level mm-hmm. to at least mention Errol Morris in some way.
3: I mean, he's a rating scale, and we haven't done one of his documentaries yet.
0: Yes, he's
3: uh, <laughs> documentary series, right? We rate in right. Errol Morris's, and we've done a couple of those.
0: I don't know why. You know, it's. Werner Herzog, we use him for our main rating system, but like half his movies aren't even documentaries. He's made as many feature films, you know. It could be Alex Gibney's or something, you know. No. Gates of Heaven.
3: Gates of Heaven.
0: Why did you want to watch this?
3: So, Gates of Heaven, I got a little bit confused, I think, with Vernon Florida. In remembering seeing it, I thought I had seen it. I actually don't believe I had ever seen it before. I was getting it confused with Vernon, Florida, and so in my mind, I knew it was about pet cemeteries, but I thought it was a much more like lighthearted. How quirky this whole situation is! Kind of take.
0: You wanted some lighthearted people who uh, who amputated body parts for insurance claims. You wanted, I guess some, so, some kind of lighthearted, something like that.
3: Yeah, and but I thought, but I like mixed that up, which I do want to do Vernon, Florida, also with you, or you should do it with someone because it's a great movie. But, uh, pet cemeteries, I feel like is a very relevant topic to topic to us because we have oh I don't know we buried we had
0: one child and we buried him in a pet cemetery no. and then he rose from the dead <laughs> and tried to kill us so we know a little something about pets. That I pet how cemetery.
4: did we kill our
0: zombie child? We threw him in the oven and put it on clean <laughs> because it makes the heat super hot and basically cremates anything any residue within it. That's one of those movies that's really scary when you're 10. Yeah. And then... But don't go back as an adult. It's not the same.
3: And there was no reason to make a remake. I mean, I'm not gonna ever watch it. I forgot, they, I forgot
0: they made that. I don't yeah. think it did well by the standards of corporate fucks. Like, who cares? Most of the movies we watch do not do well right. in any box office capacity.
3: But we didn't actually kill a child. We have... <laughs> a
0: lot thanks for clarifying i think someone was halfway through an email before you said that (laughs) i can't believe you murdered your child
3: (laughs) i'm just saying that to say the real reason is because we have eight animals and in the time we've been together we've had 10 we've lost we have lost two of them but we have a lot of animals and we have a lot of Animals are getting older. And yeah. it's honestly something I think about a whole lot is what do you do? What will we do? And loving Errol Morris the way that I do, I've wanted to do one of his movies. And I've just really wanted to do this one because of how much we love animals. And also, honest to God, did not even think for a second that I would cry as much as I did. Because I do cry. But this was very upsetting to me.
0: It's interesting because I don't think you need to be an animal lover to get something out of this movie. No. But it's something about this movie that can come at you at multiple angles. It seems to be about a lot of things at once. It is. And really, it's an interesting glimpse into late 70s California retiree life.
3: Yeah, this was 1978. Beautifully done. We'll get into it, I'm sure, as we go, but there are so many things in this documentary that... even though it's his first, this is Errol Morris's first movie.
0: Mm -hmm. Officially, yeah.
3: You can see kind of the beginnings of stuff that he really latched onto later happening in this film.
0: His style came right out the gate. It was very apparent. But a little surface background onto this and why why Errol made this. Um, Errol was kind of, I can relate to this. Errol was a very creative guy who had a hard time completing anything. He would be very scattered. He'd be very all over the place. And he uh, met Werner Herzog, and I I, for, I think if I remember the story correctly, he showed Werner some writings. Yeah. And based on those writings, Werner was like, uh, uh, "What do you you should just be a filmmaker." Mm-hmm. And Errol, I think, had been dabbling in this kind of thing, and I think he and Werner worked together to go uh, interview Ed Gein before he had died. Oh wow! And this has never been released. They've got a bunch of footage of Errol Morris interviewing Ed Gein that apparently Werner was involved in somehow, but Errol has never gathered this up or put this out. He could have lost it for all we know, Uh but it's one of the few interviews of Ed Gein that are apparently out there. There's not that many. Uh And it was before he died, but I think they had met involving something like that. And Werner was encouraged to more to go in the direction of filmmaking but Errol was so scatterbrained. He never put together the that thing because he just never finished it. And he talked about what he had been working on, but was complaining about money. And Werner was like, yo, uh, you should make films. Fuck money. And if you finish this movie, I will eat my shoe. And then I guess that motivated Errol. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he creates and he finishes Gates of Heaven to high critical acclaim. Robert e- Robert Roger Ebert, Robert Ebert. That's his brother. Roger Ebert fucking loved this flick yeah. when it came out. He was, it seemed, the way he writes about it, he, it seems like he was obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And I can see why. Absolutely. This, this, this is what, the, the, the power of documentaries is, and this is, Errol Morris does so many things so well that we praise, but he's taken something that just seems so surfacely simplistic. Mm-hmm. But with so many layers to think about. And everything is, yeah, if you uh, care about pets you can, or have pets like we do, you can care about it on this level. But in just this simple observance of people and their character and their attitude Absolutely. and how they are goes in so many directions. It's an incredibly American film, without a doubt. And uh, we meet a dude. His name is Floyd. They call him Mac. Yeah. But in the context of this film... They call him Floyd, but most people call him Mac, but he's Floyd. His real name, I think, is Floyd, but we always call him Mac.
3: I will say right off the bat, sometimes we critique people who put too much text on the screen, but Errol could have thrown up a name or two because I was getting (laughs) real confused about who was who because the people would be calling people by their first names and there's one particular guy who was like, sitting at a table, smoking a cigar in front of a bunch of, like, paint thinner or something. Mm-hmm. And he kept calling people by their last names. He was very formal, like Mr. So-and-so and Mr. So-and-so had a meeting. Right. And I was like, I don't understand who these people are. <laughs> but also, it doesn't matter. Because no. part of it is just who the people are that are talking.
0: Most people aren't taking notes when they're watching movies. And we're like, who is this person?
3: Well, sure. But I, I think I still would be like, I don't really know who that is. But also, again, it doesn't matter. Because... No. So much of it isn't just the way the people are telling their stories.
0: But Floyd, he's got into something called the pet cemetery business. Yes, here in old America, you can do a pet cemetery business. I thought,
2: well, this is going to be my project of life. I found the land, I found the need. Something the old timers used to tell me years ago. To be successful success in this world or in life, find a need and fill it. And boy, I found the need, and I wanted to fulfill this more than anything, though. anything I ever did in my whole life. I wanted to fulfill this dream.
0: He was born in 1930 in North Dakota, where there was even less people there than there are now. And uh, he had a pet collie, and this poor collie got hit by a Model A, and he held it until it died, and he picked a nice plot for him, and then. Uh, but he's in California now, Southern California.
3: Yeah, and he'd always kind of thought about this collie, and... Had been, like, glad he had that place, and he thought, why don't I start a pet cemetery here? There's got to be a need for it. Yeah. He goes out into the community, starts going around, contacts, like, Carnation Pet Food, goes to, like, Safeway, goes to grooming shops and vets, and he's like, would you be interested?
0: He really does some good old-school networking to get this going, and it's not hard
3: (laughs) You say old school networking, but like that is networking. Like we call that old school networking. (laughs) But at the time, that's all you could do was go up and talk to people. (laughs) Write letters and go talk to people. Yeah. But he was pounding the pavement.
0: And this is in Santa Clara County in California. Seems like people kind of with a little means of money. I don't know if they pay, pay rent on this property. But Floyd is pitching the Pet cemetery idea like it can be profitable.
3: But yes. we learned
0: that at least on Floyd's end, it's not very profitable. He's kind of having a, a hard time.
3: The long-term story of that is he he gets this partner, who's this guy on a white couch. I don't know that guy's name either, but he talks about how when Floyd came to him to talk about like financing, he looked at Floyd and said,
5: "And Mac, uh, very surprisingly, said to me that uh, something he'd always wanted to do is put a make a or put a pet cemetery together." So I told him, I said, well, CMax, Mac, that's amazing because we've just been thinking about the same thing ourselves. And uh, uh, maybe we can put it together, you know, as under one uh, group.
3: Oh, I just had the same idea. We should go into this together. <laughs> Floyd told him his idea and that guy went, that's a fucking good idea. We know. I bet we could make some money. So, hey, I just had that idea too, Floyd.
0: We all know someone like that, right? Someone <laughs> who, like, co-ops does. all your shit.
3: Everyone does. But yeah, this guy does end up talking later about how the issue is that there's nothing like this. So you can't tell a financial institution what your return on investment could even possibly be. And so it's hard to get financing because you have nothing to compare it to. You can't honestly say how many people are really going to buy into this thing.
0: Now, Floyd has some competition that he takes personal, but it's not another pet cemetery. No,
5: Rendering is one of the oldest industries. It dates back to the time of the Egyptians. They can trace it back this far, rendering. In the Bible, you know, way back in the Old Testament, the guy cut off the sheepskin, right, and put it over him, put the lamb fat on him to keep him warm. It could
0: be the oldest industry in the world. It is the rendering plant, the rendering industry.
3: Okay, this guy was this such how, a character.
0: This is how we get Jello.
5: When the public got concerned about recycling, that's when the rendering industry started to blossom out, so to speak, and say, "Hey, we've been recycling for 500 years here. You know, take a look at us. We're we, we are
0: recycling." Right, and gelatin. gelatin, gummy bears, uh, gummy candies.
3: I know, but listen, I knew that, and I, but I always assumed it was like a controlled process where the rendering company has an agreement with, like, a farm or whatever, and they're specifically doing that with whatever kind of animal that they're specifically rendering, right? This guy was talking like they would just take your dog. Yeah. Or your cat or your whatever. There's this, I mean, that was kind of shocking to me that the rendering company would just come pick up anything and go take it to the rendering company and throw it in with everything else.
0: It seemed like an old-school way of doing things, but the rendering guy makes an interesting point, and this is something that I've dealt with a little bit growing up.
5: idea that all animals should be buried, but uh, if you live over here or five miles away or ten miles away, and you have a horse, and that horse dies on a Saturday, and it's 102 degrees, and you can't get anybody to bury it, I'll tell you, you're going to get a hold of the rendering company real fast. Because you want that horse out of there,
0: like now. In my country, childhood, we've had people graze their livestock on our land. Like if one of them dies, we just call them and they deal with it. The rendering guy makes a good point. If you got a, like a horse, yeah, that's that weighs as much as five plus people. Suddenly, you got a problem on your hands, and you can't let a big carcass sit there. It seems weird to us that someone would just hand their family pet to a renderer, mm-hmm. and and a horse can be as loved as any dog or cat. Yeah. But a horse is a big fucking animal.
5: That's why it was the invisible industry. Nobody ever mentioned it, you know. On the quiet side, what those guys do out there. They boil all this stuff in pots. And stinks.
3: And I kind of went back and forth with this guy on how I felt about him, the rendering guy or the guy in the tallow business, yeah. as he liked, he preferred to call it. Because there were points where he really seemed like he didn't actually care. He was like, this is just my job. Then there were other times where he actually did talk about, you know, these are people's pets. We understand that these are people's pets. People really care about this. He didn't see it as anything. He saw it as something natural and in a way like recycling.
5: We've been recycling for 500 years here.
3: Lloyd is upset by the fact that you would take an animal and use every bit of it instead of like burying it in a place where you can go and visit and, like, still love it. Yeah. The tallow guy was like, we are using every bit of it and making something new and good from it. And I,
0: They're the or- I guess
3: I do understand that. The
0: original recycling. Yeah. Floyd seems to take it very personable. He describes visiting a rendering plant in vials of animal corpses. When he was a
3: child.
0: What is a rendering company? A rendering company. And
2: my mine pretty exploded with the thought and remembrance of a of a very bad
0: nightmare a dream of hell he describes it like it's hell yeah. and, and and it's weird to us to imagine someone handing their pet to a rendering yeah it seems like i mean in my experience growing up with animals both sides of my family are pretty big on animals mm-hmm. so but when i was growing up a pet died, you didn't call a rendering plant, no. nor did you take it to a special pet cemetery. You buried it on your land. Growing up, there was a plot that wasn't really strongly labeled, but it was an area where a lot of our family pets growing up, where we buried them.
3: Oh man, that Brian and I were talking about this the other day. The place where we grew up, third grade until I graduated high school, the whole back left corner of our yard was a pet cemetery. Yeah. I mean, there were dogs and cats and hamsters and mice and all kinds of stuff out there. Sure. Because everything you had, I think there was a chick out there. Like, it was just, you know, that's where you did it. You put it at your house.
0: I mean, funerals are for the living. It can be frustrating when we see things that seem to be misrepresented mm-hmm. after they're gone. It just seems like that's what's destined to happen because the, the only narrative to go forward is every narrative but yours. And it seems interesting. I guess I can understand the, the process, the thought of rendering. I don't understand why anyone would just hand their pet to a renderer, but I also don't get a froofy cemetery because for me growing up, an animal you loved going out and getting a shovel, getting down into the dirt. This was a part of the process of letting this pet go.
3: I think it ties into. I mean, we've you and I have had this conversation before of how I think I want to cremate our animals.
0: That's a lot more common now.
3: Well, because we and I know it wasn't. It doesn't seem like it was then. No. Although there was thing one thing that seemed like a mausoleum yeah. that just had like a hole where I think it might have been ashes on in the movie. But we had an animal that we didn't cremate and we buried, and now that house is no longer in the family. And so that's not a place I can go. Yeah. So I was thinking about this while we're watching it. I feel like that is for these people. What this is, is even after I'm gone, even after we move, this is where my animal is. And we'll get into it more, but this is actually a story of two different pet cemeteries. And in the second one, it is more of a family business. And I think that's the draw of that is that, okay... The family is leading this business, so it's kind of like you're thinking about, like, I'm putting my animal here, and they are going to be taken care of forever. It's like putting a person in a cemetery. They're going to be taken care of by whoever owns that cemetery for the rest of forever.
0: The rendering guy tells the story of the local zoo. You know, John
5: and Nugget up there? They lost one of those elephants one time. Geez, they didn't know what the hell to do We got it. And somebody made the statement, hey, that thing went to the rendering company. We had so many phone calls, and we actually had to deny that we had that animal. We told them we took it out to Pet cemetery and buried it. Because people just didn't want to get, people got chilled up. What happened to that animal?
0: What happened to that elephant? An elephant dies. This is what I'm talking about. And the Bigger
3: z- animals, it makes more sense to me. I don't and, understand pets.
0: But people still would get upset and write to the rendering planner, or the mm. zoo. Because- you know, every
5: once in a while, they'll lose a giraffe at the zoo. Or they'll lose, you know, Big Bertha. Or they'll lose, you know, uh, Joe Bear or whatever his name is. And, I mean, you know, people say, hey, you know, what's going on here? You know, We better bury this and get a
0: plot and everything, see? The zoo had to lie. <laughs> yeah. I guess the rendering guy blows their spot up here. So
5: we got a standing deal with the zoo. You know, They don't tell them where where the animal went because <laughs> they don't want to be in the bearing business.
0: I understand the thought of rendering is weird, but it seems odd to me. It's only offensive to the living because the yeah. dead don't care.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it that. just
0: seems... It's just funny the things that we are offended by and the things we're not. We should be more concerned with how we're treating animals while they're alive rendering i mean it's not how i would dispose of our beloved pets but it's is it that really that big a deal
3: no but i guess part of what i think about is not that part because i agree with you once they're gone they're gone but what is it being used for because the only things we named earlier are things we eat and I don't want to think about somebody's dog being in my gummy bears. <laughs> that is more, and again, that's me. I'm the living one. I'm concerned about dogs and gummy bears. I don't want that. I don't think that happens. I
0: think it's more like pig and beef tallow for gummy bears. It but is, that's a good question.
3: In the way this guy was talking, it's like everything just gets thrown in together and you do what you do and you use it. Like that was what was a little upsetting to me was just.
0: Do you think it's like animal food flavoring and shit like that?
3: I think, you know what? I think it is. What? I think it's quote natural flavors that are in food <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah i always
3: get real creeped out by that and natural I love that. flavors <laughs> a, a word that
0: means nothing yeah my piss is natural if i peed on uh a chicken some chicken before i served it to you it's natural. i could say that there's flavors. natural yeah. flavorings on it do you notice that behind that guy there was like a weird it was like a half an image of a, of the Last Supper, where they were like stick figures, weird outliers, kind of stick figures, kind of look like a Keith Haring doodle of the Last Supper. I
3: noticed it, and I it didn't occur to me that it was the Last Supper.
0: Environments, rooms that people are sitting in. I think they're everything that you see. The people in the stories are as true and real as they can be. Mm-hmm. But I've but the things, the environments in which they're all positioned in. I don't know if it utilizes things in their life in a very specific way, but everything is framed very, like this guy is sitting in front of that picture and then you get another character we'll meet later who's just sitting by a bright red phone and Uh then you see him again later with plaques all over the back wall. I think a lot of these scenarios are particularly set up for the shot.
3: Well, two comments on that. I I think these are scenes from these people's lives. But I think Errol has very specifically picked these, like, rooms or setups. These had to be at least things that these people owned or in their own homes because he had no budget. Right. He wasn't buying or setting things up or, like, I mean, I guess he could have said, hey, can we shoot by your pool this afternoon?
0: I think, yeah, I think it was like, I see you have all these plaques. Can we put them all on this one wall and film you? Sure, I think it was something like that. Maybe. Errol Morse is not afraid of subtle manipulations, and that's what most documentaries are. And I think there's, at some level, Errol embraces that.
3: I I agree, and I think it's important to him that the environment that they're in, if it is not their own, represents something about them that he's wanting you to notice or he's, you know, that trying to show. It's weird, this first guy, Floyd, when we first see him, He's in a couple different places. He is under a willow tree, a weeping willow tree, which I love from my childhood. But I thought it was interesting that that he's sitting... That
0: tree that you saw was from your childhood? Yeah,
3: that exact tree I used to play under when I was a kid. Um, (laughs) But we had like a... Someone we called an aunt who I don't actually think was an aunt. You know, like one of those kind of people that we used to go to their house sometimes when we were kids and there was like a weeping willow tree there and I thought it was amazing. But... He's under a weeping willow tree, and then he tells this story about how his collie died.
2: Afternoon, we came back from hauling uh, bundles, thrashing, no, words no words going. And uh, an old Model A came up the road and struck my collie and killed him. I never did catch him, but I grabbed my collie and I held him in my arms until he died.
3: When he starts talking business, he's in, like, an indoor setting. This was funny. Bronze baby shoes. Do people still do that? Because that was a thing from my childhood is people bronzing baby shoes. There was a pair behind him. I think
0: that's something that's fading as generations go forward. Yeah,
3: I wondered, like, would a young person watching this be completely confused by why that man has tiny shoes on his counter? But yeah, this guy that we meet in front of this photo of The Last Supper or this drawing of The Last Supper that's very random yeah he starts talking about how he got into the business with mac and there's like a couple guys involved and how he furnished a station wagon and he made little caskets and everybody was donating furniture like it was a very sort of let's just pull it together do the best we can and for mac and these other guys the guy i mentioned who was sitting in front of like paint thinner smoking a cigar everyone was smoking by the way it was a passion project for these men the guy on the couch he was talking about financing I don't think it was a passion project for him. He wanted to make some money. And they talk at one point about how they would take any animal. They had snakes, rats, monkeys, mice, hamsters, obviously dogs and cats. He tells some terrible stories about different animals having died. Yeah. And the ways they died. Because the other thing Errol does, and there's a few people in the movie who really get into this and is something we see through his career as he moves on is he just lets you talk until you will stop talking. He won't ask you a question he'll just keep the camera on you and there's something I think in us all who feels if you're in that sort of situation you have to keep talking so you just keep thinking of other things to say Yeah. and that's when you get like bizarre stories about a woman who accidentally put her cat in the dryer
0: It seems like a lot of People that we see who do this are very well to do. I think most poor people are just going to bury their own pets or send them to the rendering plant.
3: Yeah, I feel like the people who said yes to Floyd were involved in this. Yeah. And I'm sure there were a lot of people who said no. Because honestly, if you don't have a rich friend who wants to make this part of their life and put it on their property... If you just ask someone with a lot of land, can I make a pet cemetery at your house? They're not going to say yes.
0: <laughs> Look, I get it if all If you don't depends. know who this
3: guy is. I mean, and well, basically what ended up happening is they lost a bunch of money and Mac somehow got sued, I guess, for part of it. It got a little fuzzy as to like what happened financially and legally with this whole situation. But the guy on the white couch talked about how they eventually just had to give the land back to the people who owned it. The they just basically owners. had to say, we just need to cut and run. The guy in the red shirt I wrote, I think he was the guy in front of the Last Supper photo. Him alone, he lost $30,000 in 1970s.
0: He, that's...
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't even know what that is now, but I it would we would die. It's
0: got to clear 100 grand. <clears throat> they
3: do this thing, and I really wanted to talk about this too, because I this is a total setup. The guy talks about how for him... It was always heart over money.
2: The only thing they can charge me with is compassion because I put my heart over the dollar sign.
3: And there's a drawing of someone drawing a heart and a line and a dollar sign. And then I looked at Mac's hands, Floyd's hands in the next scene. That was not his hands.
0: No. No. That, that's I it. don't
3: know who Errol Morris got to draw <laughs> that photo, but he got somebody to draw that photo.
0: There's another part where the hands holding a pet photo is different from the hands that you see in the pet photo. <laughs> they're
3: just, later, he was like, can I just get a shot of that? Yeah. And just like took it from someone. But it was
0: a good shot. It was worth it. Now, this is an important scene. We see a lady uh, and her dog. <laughs> He was trying to get her dog to say "I want my mama" or some something like that, and the dog's just like.
4: Atta boy, I want my mama. I want my mama. Are you sleepy? We sing loud.
0: But this is the only point in this film that we see a living pet. You oh, don't shit. You don't see a living pet at any other point in this movie.
3: That's right.
0: But we talked to another lady who lost her poodle. It's very sad how she describes how she misses I
3: know the poodle.
0: And Floyd talks about the trust of pets. When you turn your back on a human, you don't know that person.
2: But my little dog, I can turn my back on my little dog. And I know he's back there. He's my little friend. He's not going to jump on me or bite me or anything like that. But human beings cannot be this
0: way. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about that land. He lost the land and went back to the Duttons. He had to excavate. We see scenes of excavation, but we don't know that they're actually There's no way. It.
3: There's no way it was actually what was happening. And
0: one of the dudes that helped Floyd went on this weird, like, gossipy trip about how the Duttons had some venture.
5: I was told uh, that Duttons trying to get, in, get themselves involved in some sort of gold venture or uh, exporting of... Uh, dead animals from the United States to Mexico for some university in Mexico to do some exploration type of work on the
0: animals. They're just passed away pets. Why would no one, who would want to just excavate?
5: Mr. Robert Dutton had convinced uh, Mrs. Ken Dutton to have a child born in uh, Mexico, so he would be a Mexican citizen. And under those pretences, he could have a business uh, in Mexico and control it.
0: It made no sense. and was probably Mm-mm. full of shit. They're trying to keep the pets there, obviously, when the mm-hmm. Dunn's got the lamb back. And that Dunn wanted to be like, why don't you just do mass graves, like multiple in one. Yeah,
3: he wanted him to basically bury animals on top of each other to save space. They obviously excavated him, like Bobby said. And that's when there became the she said, she said. Yeah. Back and forth for a minute between we'll call her the lady with the dog
0: And the poodle lady.
4: And the poodle lady. Mrs. Billingsley uh, came out to the cemetery and said that they had moved the stone on her animal. And I said, how are they going to get the animal out of the grave, the casket out, if they don't move the stone? And she said she didn't want her animal moved. I loved it how you just had to pick it up in context. She just started going. And I asked her if she had signed a release, and she said she had signed a release. Then she said she hadn't, so I don't know. I can't swear to that. And, but I made up my mind I, I wasn't going to fool with her.
3: She got all.
4: She went down and talked to, Mr. to Robert Dunton. And then they, I sat in the car waiting for his son. I was supposed to sign the release to let my dog go. And, uh, and then I saw both of them look my direction and start laughing like it was just a big joke, mad Miss about big. it. She isn't gonna cause me any trouble cause I ain't gonna pay any attention to her. She just wanted to be noticed. She just wanted to be Miss Big. And here we've got all of these other poor people that really needed help. And she was just trying to be Miss Big and she didn't pay half as much as the rest of us did.
3: She thought she was Miss Big, Miss big. gonna make a big
4: deal about everything and didn't want them to move her dog. I don't know whether she really liked her animals or loved them or whether she was just trying to show off and make a big impression. Uh, This was my idea because anybody that would come whizzing up in a Cadillac with all of her furs on to a cemetery and you know when they're digging animals it's going to be an odor there. Didn't have much upstairs. Because I'll tell you, that was not the place to
0: wear first Such petty, like... It was
4: so petty, but it's so... Like,
0: we've seen small this. Small
4: town bullshit.
0: Old elderly people yes. getting caught up in petty bullshit. Old people, retirees, they get lost in the sauce of nothing. hmm And you can tell these ladies are just going at it over... what. What does What does their scenario have to do with each other? They both just need to communicate with the people who are going to excavate. Or the landowners of this plot. like right. They don't have shit to do with each other. Miss Big. <laughs> the one lady uh, who who talks, who's like Miss Big, she thinks she's a Miss Big.
4: She just wanted to be Miss Big, right? She
0: had this sign behind her that said, this is my house and I do as I darn please. Oh.
3: Ah! <laughs> was that also where the, was a plate with a dog like painted on it? on the wall. Yeah, yeah.
0: There was a lot of decor. There's a lot to look at yeah. in this movie. And and uh and that's when Floyd said that's when we see him do the doodle.
3: Yeah, sorry. Yeah, my page was definitely in the wrong place. <laughs> Floyd said he's
0: only guilty of compassion. It was never clear like what are people saying you're guilty of like it, it seemed He never every, said what
3: he got convicted of. There's a lot
0: of complaining but not a lot of details. It seemed like everybody was just kind of speaking around something. It was very strange.
3: The lady in the red apron. Yeah. She's sort of the in-between before we get into the second story. This is really all we're going to see of Floyd. We don't meet him again. But there's this lady in a red apron and she's sitting in a doorway of her house. She talks at first about how she's surprised they're moving that cemetery.
6: Now they're taking them all the way from here up to the... What's that name of that place up above here a little ways? A town. Commences with B. Blue Hill. It's Blue Hill Cemetery. I think the name of it is. Uh, not too far. I guess about maybe 20 miles from here. A little town there, a little place. You know where it's at, that place. But I was really surprised when I... Heard they were getting rid of the cemetery over here. We're going to put in buildings or something over there.
3: And then she talks about how she can't get around very much anymore. But her condition is real. She really does have an issue.
6: Well, I know people have been very good to me, you know, Ron. Well, they've seen my condition. I guess that's they're well, sorry for me. But it's real, my condition is. It's not put on, that's for sure. Boy, if I could only walk. If I could only get out, drive my car, I'd get another car. Yeah. And my son, if he was only better to me. After I bought him that car, he's got a nice car. I bought it myself just a short time ago.
3: And then a car screeches. And
6: my husband always told me, he says, Mama, someday you're going to be (laughs) sorry. That was a car, huh?
3: And it kind of throws her off, and she starts talking about how her son has her car.
6: You see how it happened things? I don't see him very often, and he just got the car. I didn't pay for all of it. I gave him $400, pretty good. His boss knows it. Well, he's not working for that outfit now. He's changed. He's gone back on his old job, hauling sand. No, not holding he said. He's working in the office. That's right. He took over the office job.
0: First, I thought I missed some, something no. that led to something. And then I realized that her story becomes 10 different stories.
6: She's nothing but a tramp in the first place. I told him that. He wouldn't listen to me. I said, I know what she is. I said, Richard, please listen to me. No, he wouldn't listen. He knew all. He knew everything. Big shot. But he soon found out. Now that's all over with. I've been through so much. I don't know how I'm staying alive.
0: Before the camera is even off of her, but it does eventually go back. It doesn't appear that the camera moves off. Of
3: no, it while, doesn't.
0: But it does eventually go back to pets.
6: Skippy's been dead quite a while—two, three years. You know. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. He was so. Everybody liked that dog around here. You know, you miss your pets just like you do any of the family. And I don't know what happened to this last little kitty was here. All the cats have gone. There's no cats around her, no animals, no nothing.
3: I miss that little black kitten so much. The moments that I was talking about where, this is classic Errol Morris, he probably went up to that woman and said, Cause she was probably sitting on her porch and he was like, that lady looks interesting. And he probably went up to her and said, Hey, can I ask you a couple questions about the pet cemetery that's going away? Would you mind telling me your thoughts on it? Turned on the camera and woman went.
0: Yeah.
6: His boss told me that on the phone, but you know, he should help me more. He's all I got. He's the one that brought me up here and then put me here by myself among strangers terrible you're stopping to think of it i've been without so much when i first came up
3: here and she was hanging on to her change purse the whole time yeah which i thought was such an interesting little tidbit because that's kind of a thing that i've seen older ladies do like they just like keep their wallet next to them my nanny always kept her money in her bra so she didn't have to clutch a change purse she always knew where it was gross (laughs)
0: gross <laughs> sweaty tit sweat dollars
3: hey she was perfect
0: mine's not but I, but I, <laughs> I'm sure but I love wasn't. the fuck out of her but she I'm is sure far she... <laughs> from it now Floyd's business it had to be moved you, you couldn't call it a, a success as much as his heart was into it mm-hmm. and in America it's got to be considered some monochrome of success to have any value for existing Because that's just how it is. But let's move to a pet cemetery that is relatively successful, ran by a couple called the Harberts, And we see a nice little setup, a few seats outside of a couple of plots, and like a flag waving in the wind. This is in another part of Southern California, because you can see like the desert patches, Mm-hmm. But the squares of pet cemetery have like grass manicured grass. Mm-hmm. You have to water your grass for it to maintain in Southern California. It's, oh yeah, it's really fucking stupid for a region of the US that is very susceptible to drought. no one should water your fucking grass. Let your grass die if it's if it's dry, then it'll go. Like who gives a shit?
3: And when it's so obvious that everything around that they're not watering, they're not paying um, attention no. to. They're like these lush little patches. And that's what people are paying for is for their dogs to be put to rest in this like beautiful little spot.
0: Now, they've come up with the perfect (laughs) name. You can't get a name better than this, Angela, all right?
4: We just all agreed that we couldn't come up with a better one than Bubbling Well Pet Memorial Park, which has a lovely sound.
3: The Bubbling Well Pet Memorial Park.
4: Lovely, refreshing spring water, and it has a. uh, a meaning of life and um, um, purity and all of the good things that we all um, like to think about
0: doesn't get better than that. I thought the lady was going to say Gates of Heaven. Heaven Well Pet Memorial Park.
4: I did too. <laughs> I was ready
3: for it, and then when she said that, neither one of us could understand her because we were both <laughs> listening for Gates of Heaven.
0: I got the perfect. This is the perfect one. <laughs> Not gates of heaven. <laughs> a bubbling well pet <laughs> memorial park.
4: We just all agreed that we couldn't come up with a better one.
3: And so we so we meet her. That's the wife. We meet the husband wearing his cowboy hat.
0: The husband points out something interesting. I love this. Did you know? I would say that the
1: pill is probably largely more responsible for the pet explosion than any other single factor. This is a, quite a surprise to a lot of people that uh, don't understand the business and haven't done any background work. But it's very simple.
0: Now, he may have had like a very old school way of looking at it.
1: Today, we have a different pattern. Today, the husband and wife both work and they want to prepare themselves with a home and some of the things that they'd like to have before they start a family. Well, this is just fine from a planning standpoint. But nature can't be put aside, so when the young mother comes home, she has to have something to fondle.
3: It's not wrong. It's not <laughs> wrong.
0: This guy, might his ideas might have been ahead of his time. I got the vibe that this guy has made his money in many other ventures. Yeah. This pet cemetery thing is just a part of...
3: I feel like this is his retirement slash legacy because they do bring their sons into it. But yes. explain explain his uh, justification for that statement. The pill is responsible for the pet explosion.
0: Because people got to work. It's harder not to work. Uh, you have to work to get by. Because, Women have
3: started working more. Yes.
0: And there's a good reason for that. And I mean, just think about today now where most jobs are like paycheck to paycheck. It's very hard. You have very few people make enough money to support a whole household singularly. That's an interesting point that he makes. So, but biologically, that need to to uh, fondle something. She has to have something to fondle. They need a pet to fondle to take care of to the fondle. They're
3: waiting to have children until later because the woman is working.
0: Fondle. So go get yourself a little kitty cat or a dog to fondle. Fondle to fulfill. <laughs> the,
3: the guy said fondle one time. Bobby the, is saying it twenty times. You but.
0: fondle your pets to fulfill. that need because you don't you've never made children
3: yeah but then also the parents of those people
0: the rest of it in the normal pattern would be
1: that uh, the grandparents would have children grandchildren to take care of to fondle and, and to help to rear and this would satisfy their need for love and giving of love and receiving When this has been set aside for five, six, seven, or eight years, what do they do? They get a pet. Now we're talking about both sides of the family. We're not talking about just one.
3: Who are they supposed to fondle?
1: To take care of, to fondle. Yeah.
3: So they have to get pets also to take the place of having grandchildren. So now you've got, what did he say? It's a...
1: We're not talking about just one. Now we have a three-way explosion. Triple? Three-way explosion.
3: Triple situation. I don't know how he said it. It was like a triple something. It sounded sexual also. I can't remember how he put it. Three-way explosion. The couple has animals and both of their parents, sets of their parents have animals. So now where there might have been no pets, there are three pets. Three-way explosion. At least. In this scenario, so there's tons of pets everywhere
1: to take care of, to fondle. You and- don't have
0: kids, but we have pets, and those pets definitely fill this nurturing role. Yes, we feel very strongly about them. We want to make them safe. They're always going to be that level of stupid. They're like never going <laughs> to grow beyond that.
3: Yeah, they can't really do anything for themselves. That's okay.
0: You know, you don't have to put your kids in diapers, folks. Open up the back door and let them go in the backyard. <laughs> I think, pu- I think people, litter who have, train em. people who have kids could learn something from us pet owners. <laughs> Stop it. Just let your kid out and get them I, some heartworm.
3: I am very case. careful. I do not call our animals our children. They do fill that hole, just like this guy is talking about, like that space of where we don't have kids. So we have the animals to take care of. I cannot imagine not having them. I know we will always have pets. But I also know it is not the same as actually having a child.
0: I think eight pets is like equivalent to one child, right?
3: Maybe. And we do have eight pets. The term fur baby makes me throw up in my mouth. I
0: could swear that you've said it on this show before. Have I? Oh, yeah.
3: I would challenge you to find that, sir. I'm
0: Talking not Talking about back. myself. I'm too busy. I seriously
3: doubt it. <laughs> Just saying.
0: But look, you don't have kids. You need something to fondle. Yeah. Get a goldfish. Fondle. A parrot you ever seen anyone fondle a goldfish
3: i think that eldridge used to pet a goldfish that he had
0: yeah so he's fondled a goldfish he has to have something to fondle rest in peace dear caesar the dog well we're here to
1: put caesar in the ground today and i know that you've this is something that you've not looked forward to but i would just be interested to know uh how you picked bubbling
3: well would you uh would you please tell us a little bit about why you chose bubbling well and a little bit about caesar
2: a little picture of caesar here and i think oh, if you see that you can yes. understand why we wanted him buried in a good place like what? bubbling wells here
1: you know i feel like i know him
2: is that, that right that
1: face that smile he was I quite summed
0: dog. we only see a picture of him but yeah, this is the scene where we just see a straight shot of a hand holding a picture that we're pretty sure is not
3: not a the hands hand. of the
0: people we see. But it's definitely arranged, and they're laying Caesar to rest.
3: Galvin goes on for a bit about how mixed breed dogs are better than breed dogs. Kind of true. I agree. And it's like you said, I think that truly these people do care about what they're doing, and I think they do care about the people that come there and the pets that they're taking care of. But I... Feel like he also knows exactly what to say to make them feel like they've made the right decision. Harbert
0: has to fondle the picture since he can't fondle the dog. (laughs) Yeah, we see a buff lawn dude. How did you rate him on the Babo meter?
3: Oh, on the Babo meter. Now, when he started
0: talking, I am sure it went down. But
3: pre-talking, gosh,
0: pretty babelicious. He
3: was pretty hot from a distance. He's—I mean, he's—he's a man mowing the lawn with his shirt off, but. Then he starts talking.
0: You know,
7: a couple of things that when I was instructing, you know, motivation back in Salt Lake City is that, you know, if we don't stop and ask ourselves a question once in a while to probe our subconscious or to probe our you
1: know,
7: We, I used to teach it, uh, it's a plain, simple formula. We, you know, we reduced everything to a formula, memorized it, and therefore we were able to repeat it constantly. I used to call it the R2A2 formula. Recognize, relate, assimilate, and put into action.
0: And this guy is is hard to believe this existed before the age of Instagram. I know, because Instagram is full of people who try to uh, do some self help guru horseshit life coaches. Yeah, and it's like you're just an asshole on Instagram. And no one you notice that these people are rarely selling anything but their own self help. They're telling you to do things that they don't do because their job is just to tell you to be good at doing things.
3: But the key word that you said and the reason it applies and why it feels so similar is the selling.
7: Like I could be driving down the, down the freeway and see a 450 SL and I could say, hey, I like that. You know? What does that mean to me? What will I have to do to get it? How can I do it? You know, and then go to work for it and strive for it. It kind of makes life easy. Yes.
3: So he was an insurance salesman and he, according to him, was fucking blowing it out the park. But somehow his parents convinced him to come back home and bring his little family. He Bull. has some kids. He's a father. Smell,
0: which, smelling bullshit.
3: Oh, yeah. He comes back home to help with the family business.
0: He sits by, he sits by a red phone that you know Errol was like, why don't you put this red phone right next to you there? And he yeah, sitting, like
3: who has a red phone by the pool?
0: Yeah, and he's sitting in front of the pool, which I assume is his parents' pool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he claims that he was asked by his parents to come home, but you can tell that this guy probably lost a bunch of money, but his parents are loaded, so he has that safety that he yep. just comes home. And he's got a younger brother, Danny, a little more chill. Yeah. Really into his music. personality
3: yeah danny was in college he tells a story about how he had been in love with a woman
8: something also that happened happens to everybody i suppose i fell in love up in chico
3: into his own thoughts and feelings talking about how everybody should be in love multiple times to learn what you want this kid's like 21 yeah um but he fell in love with this woman he was with her for like two years in chico
0: the play the town of love, the California town for lovers, Chico, California. Is that a thing? It is now.
3: Okay, cool. <laughs>
0: Chico is for lovers.
3: And I think they broke up and he like didn't know if he wanted to go back to school even anymore. And so he just he came home. Like mom was like, You can come home.
7: I think a broken heart is something that everybody should experience because it makes you appreciate Any any future experiences that you have, it, it makes you exp- you felt the hurt, so you can enjoy the, the 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 positive aspects of love.
0: I was like, oh, you can totally apply this to every other aspect of this movie.
3: Absolutely.
0: He's talking about being in love, but everyone in this movie is talking about being in love.
3: It's just different kinds of love.
0: Yeah. She has to have something to fondle and fondling of different ways this is when uh, angela starts to break down
3: <laughs> until it starts showing like photos because then it starts showing a lot of photos
0: we get like a montage of, these of plaques cemetery uh tombstones and stuff
3: and there's a point where the the younger son is showing like kind of how the book where they order the plaques from and then it shows a bunch of real plaques but it's like an actual picture of someone's animal that they loved that dogs or cats or whatever's name and like, you know, their little quote, like you would put on a person's tombstone and then like their names basically saying this dog belonged to these people and this is how we feel about him. And some of these quotes of what people were writing are what got to me so much too. what they wanted to say about their pet. Yeah. And I'm crying right now. Yeah. It just in that exact second got really real to me. And I think this is also when we hear the story about the Corgi. Let's
0: talk about Trooper. Okay. Trooper's passed. He he looked to be corgi. I I thought he looked like he had some German Shepherd in him, but he could His just coloring. Be corgi. But this owner, this was funny to me. The owner, the we see a couple, and the husband talks. He's wearing a bomb ass shirt. I love that shirt. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how Trooper couldn't connect with other dogs. Trooper is a was a type of dog that uh, didn't have other dogs to relate to. He lived with adult human beings. And I was like, this guy's talking about himself. Relating with other people. How people take the narrative of loss and you can't remove your own filter from it. But the way he sees Trooper is how he relates to from his own experiences.
3: I mean, we've seen this even in people that we know. You put emotions and feelings and thoughts onto your animal that really are just your own. Or the way you would see a situation.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if this guy had some mild form of autism.
3: I wrote that down because you said it. Yeah. So I'd remember which one this was. The woman never spoke a word.
0: Never, no. But he tells a great story about how he had all these presents. And (laughs) that trooper, he knew what presents were his. And he went right to the direction of where his packages were and started unwrapping them right in there. And they were not laid right out in the open. And he unwrapped his presents just like sharing with all of us there.
3: No one even had to tell him. He just trotted right over and started opening them. (laughs) They probably smelled like dog treats or something
0: yeah probably because dog have cute. A, an amazing sense of smell
3: but he loved christmas there was a picture of trooper with santa claus
0: well we talked to another couple their pet kept blacking out yeah and they found out that the poor thing had had heartworms
3: yeah and they they were talking about how because they live in california and the place in california where they live For some reason, they thought that heartworms were not an issue there because it was more of like a southern issue. I don't know. I've always known it was an issue, but we also live here in the South.
0: There's a thing in Southern California where they don't think they have mosquitoes. Like, it's a thing. Oh, And they say that there are more mosquitoes now. They may not have as much as like a, your a, like uh you know your southern areas mm-hmm. or your Louisiana areas, but I think it just because the dry environment, the type of ecosystem, a lot of Californians just don't think that there's mosquitoes around.
3: Gotcha. And so they never treated their dog for heartworms or had him tested because they didn't think it was a problem. And the woman actually pleads for a moment with like anyone watching.
4: I'm telling you, if I never tell anybody anything else again, please watch your dogs heartworm is carried by mosquitoes and just like your malaria and you don't know we used to think we were free from it here but yeah. we're not. It was a southern disease but here in California why well, it's very prevalent. And I was just bawling. I actually
0: have a lot of respect for people who don't want pets mm-hmm. because they at least understand, they seem to understand a lot more than a lot of pet owners about the challenges of it.
3: It can be a lot of work.
0: We have eight pets and it can be, it's a lot. We got to clean up all the time some are barfing or or what the fuck ever (laughs) but yeah i mean it just goes a lot of people just think it's as easy as just having one around
3: our cats don't go outside but they get flea treated because our dogs go outside and we go outside and we could bring something in like there's just things you need to do to take care of your animals
0: we go back to the older oldest son who's constantly talking about um seminars and bullshit like that mm-hmm. and who you can tell is like a loser. I'd look at a, a job that had to be done. And he'd say to
8: me, you know, nothing's impossible, you know, and that always stuck in my cry. I couldn't believe it, you know, nothing's impossible. Well, I kind of learned that when I got in the insurance business, that everything is possible. It's just that you have to look at it with the right frame of mind. And that's important in your mind.
0: Danny talks about how they have to sometimes preserve the pets. For the owners to bury them, you know, things will get matted up when they're in the freezer and they have to like brush dead pets. But the older brother, you can tell he's a little resentful. He's not he does not have seniority over his younger brother because his younger brother has been engaged with his parents pet cemetery business for a for quite a while and the older brother has just has just come around the younger brother is basically his boss he's like the number 2
3: yeah and and i i think i understood the timeline differently I thought that the older brother came back first, then the younger brother came back. But the younger brother just cared a lot more and paid a lot more attention. And so that was even maybe more resentful for the older brother because...
0: The younger brother probably works hard because all he seems to care about is music. And other than that, he's out there doing labor and making sure everything looks right. Meanwhile, the older brother is going around lecturing everyone on how to be the best them that they can be. Well he's probably has next to nothing and has to use his parents' safety net to even like feed his fucking family
8: and I'd specifically design my office so that I could display the maximum trophies on walls and stuff and I'd bring this guy in who had probably been making maybe nine thousand a year or less, and I'd bring him into this this office with nice furniture and uh, he'd see these trophies and he'd geez you know they just they you know they were taken away. And it's kind of like flaunting it, you know, I guess. And uh, to hire him, you know, all I did was just tell stories about what each trophy meant to me and what it could mean to him and if he'd like to increase his income and, you know, his, his future.
3: Obviously, the younger brother is doing better. The older brother at one point talks about how a few months ago, I wrote my younger brother a letter. Oh, God. Like I wanted to write him a motivational letter because he seems to not have any motivation to do anything.
0: He's your boss, dude.
3: He's the boss. He's happy. He's making music. He's gonna end up being in charge of this whole company.
0: The older brother his name is Philip. we didn't catch it for a while. Older brother is Philip, younger is Danny.
3: Oh yeah, Danny. And, and
0: Philip talks about how tells a story about how he tricks people into a motivational seminar. So, I don't know how Philip is right now. I'm sure he inherited all of his shit his parents got. So, he's but he's tricked himself into thinking that he's made all of this when in reality he has not. Yeah. It's just, his dad's the innovator. You're just there to pick up. And your brother is more like because he's not pretending that like he's like the captain of money.
3: Philip's also the one that you talked about earlier who is sitting at a desk at one point with a fuck ton of plaques around him and behind him. Yes. But he hasn't been there for God knows how long at this point. And he has a room somewhere the dude, in this house covered and the, in this shit. Dude's
0: mowing pet cemetery plot. So you put
3: that stuff in a box.
0: No no shade on that, but he's, But I am shading him because he's talking like he's above everything. Yeah. And his hippie ass brother has to tell him how to weed eat mm-hmm. because <laughs> this guy is so fucking full of shit, man.
3: I did notice. At the beginning when he was looking hot, whatever, mowing, he wasn't doing a good job of mowing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, think I was like
3: place. real critical of his mowing techniques. So it did not surprise me later when it said Danny had to tell him how to how to do those things.
0: I love that scene where Danny's just sitting in his room, the music's just playing and he's just sitting there. <laughs>
3: those marijuana plants in the window? I don't think so. Okay, but they kind of looked like they were.
0: Philip talks about how he's disciplining his daughter. My youngest girl is, she's two and a half years old, and it's very hard for her to
8: understand, you know, the the language, you know, rationalize So I just sit her down when she's done something wrong, and I tell her, good girls don't do this. You know, good girls do things that make us happy.
3: Yeah, there were so many problematic, Things with that, yeah. He doesn't like the word "no." Ever. There's a lovely long scene. If we're ready to talk about it, where Danny takes his uh, guitar and amp, yeah, out and puts it like on the ridge above the pet cemetery and
0: starts jamming, and just
3: fucking plays.
0: And it's cool because you see that shot of the nice little couple lots of uh, graves. And you see the flag waving and in the little seats for people to come visit but there the little but there's chapel a chapel
3: area but there's
0: also like a power pole mm-hmm. that that is holding power lines like any like you see all over the country but it's shaped like a cross mm-hmm. so it's like so it's also it's like this image that is representative of like modernism and religion all in one mm-hmm. like that cross look it's what was captured in that fucking shot it's is gorgeous. kind of unreal
3: yeah it was Perfect.
0: You kind of like Danny. He just seems more down to earth. I mean, we kind of call him a hippie, but he just kind of is going with the flow. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like he's afraid to work. No. And his brother's looking down on him when his brother's the one who keeps, like, you can tell is like a giant fuck-up. Yeah, Danny's
3: just thoughtful.
0: And because when, because Danny, he seems to just be like a single free ruling guy. So if he fucks up, you're not really getting hurt. But no one's really getting hurt but Danny. But if Philip fucks up, he's got a kids and a wife that he's like... He's fucking up for everyone around him. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that Philip's just the kind of guy that never says, you know, maybe I was wrong about that one. Yeah, no. You know, maybe, uh, maybe this wasn't a good idea that I did this. You could just tell that Philip is not that kind of guy. And that's that film. Yep. Gates of Heaven. The OG classic by Errol Morris and Angela. Yes. We don't rate documentaries in a herzog rating scale speaking of herzog remember earlier when i told you the story of how her her Werner herzog told errol he would eat his shoe yeah if he completed this film
3: i do remember that this
0: friday for our shorties episode les blank made a film of Werner doing just that mm-hmm. so the shorties this week to lead us into our second annual herzog month well, we, we will be discussing Werner Herzog Eats His Shoe. And it's easy to find on the internet. So do it. And then after that, it's Herzog all motherfucking month long for September. Because that was the month he was born. Happy soon to be birthday, Werner.
3: Happy birthday, Werner. But
0: we don't rate documentaries and stars. We rate it in Herzog.
3: Yep. You're
0: going to give this one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. And we are going to combine them like your beloved pet and that dude's sweet fondling hands. Oh best to have something to fondle.
1: For best,
0: <laughs> I'll never get that out of my head.
3: <laughs> the look on your face when that man said fondle. <laughs>
0: like, oh, you got to write that timestamp down. <laughs> best attitude. Angela, how did you feel about Errol Morris's Gates of Heaven?
3: You know, I love Errol Morris. I have loved him for a long time. I was obsessed with the series that he did. Before we even met each other. I wasn't watching that many documentaries. But I I knew I loved him. I loved Errol before I knew really who Herzog was. This being his first movie. It was just so cool to see so many things that he uses later. Again the leaving a camera on someone and just letting them talk. Seeing where that goes. Even though this was one film about one topic. It was episodic. In that it was two different cemeteries. And he didn't intertwine the stories. He told one story. He had sort of a middle, and then he told the other story. Like you said, it was so much bigger than just about pet cemeteries. It was a slice of life in this space and time. There are people in this story who remind me of people from my childhood in my family. Just the way things looked was very nostalgic. I I just thought it was brilliant, the way he really got into these people's lives and re- really let you know what was going on with them, not just the job they were doing. I'm going to give it a five.
0: I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to when we talk about Werner Herzog Eats His Shoe because yeah. it's about the aftermath of the premiere of this film that we discuss, yeah. Gates of Heaven. And Werner is asked what he thinks is so great about this movie.
2: It's a film on a family behind all that with all their failures and all their dreams and all their dramas involved and it's uh, the only authentic film on love and emotions and late capitalism and maybe it's the only the only uh, authentic film on uh, loss of emotions and loss of uh, uh, or distortion
8: of
0: feelings and degeneration of feelings It's a very very sad film and it is actually very relevant when you hear him talk about the bill and the growing industry we are dealing with that today we are dealing with the ramifications of uh douche cunts who go around who want to trick you into motivational seminars this attitude this like hyper money attitude is infecting everything Mm -hmm. and it doesn't make people successful to act like this it means that they are ignoring their own failures There is both aspects of love in this movie, Mm -hmm. and then there's like signs of poison in this movie. And it is incredibly fascinating how Errol manages to capture all of that. I mean, we're probably the millionth people to say this is a great film. Mm -hmm. This truly is a great film, and if you've never seen Gates of Heaven, you should seek it out and do yourself a favor. There's no way it won't remind you of something in your life, whether that be the way people behave Mm -hmm. or animals that you want to love
3: the way people are taken advantage of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I a hundred percent agree. Five Herzogs for this Errol Morris film Gates of Heaven.
3: I think Herzog would agree.
0: You take your five. I I think he literally does agree. (laughs) You take your five. I take my five. We'll mash them together. That's 10 out of 10 Herzog's perfect documentary.
3: Don't go chasing waterfalls. Is that the right song? That's
0: the way That's the way oh, Angela, it's gonna be a fun herd month. Hell yeah. And this is the perfect segue into it. And uh, come come back Friday Well we're gonna see uh, Dr. Werner. Uh, in the aftermath of the then premiere of this movie in 1980,
3: I don't know. I'll see if I can make it on Friday.
0: All right, I think you will. Check.
3: I'll check my schedule. I think
0: you'll be here. <laughs> all right, folks, keep on loving your pets, and yeah, money's not everything. And keep on talking.
6: Now they're taking them all the way from here up to the. What's that name of that place up above here a little ways? That town. Men's with B. Blue Hill, it's Blue Hill Cemetery. I think the name of it is. Uh, not too far, I guess about maybe 20 miles from here. A little town there, a little place. You know where it's at, that place. But I was really surprised when I Heard they were getting rid of the cemetery over here. We're going to put in buildings or something over there. Well, I know people have been very good to me, you know. Uh, well, they see my condition. I guess that's what well, they sorry for me. But it's real, my condition is. It's not put on, that's for sure. Boy, if I could only walk, if I could only get out, drive my car, I'd get another car, yeah and my son if he was only better to me after I bought him that car, he's got a nice car I bought it myself just a short time ago I don't know these kids the more you do for me, he's my grandson but I raised him from two years old and my husband always told me he says mama some day you're going to be sorry that was a car huh?
2: I don't want to live my life
1: again I don't want to be buried in a bed cemetery I don't want
0: to live my life again Hey Doc Lo, before you go, please go to nashvillescene.com or select the link over at documenteerspodcast.com to vote for Documenteers as Best Nashville Podcast under, under the Media category. You must fill out several categories, 25 to be exact, before you can submit. If you're not from Nashville and would like to help us, then look at the show notes for our special episode drop titled Best of Nashville 2019 for several category suggestions and zip codes that you can punch in to help us spread the word about this show. You can also see a list of that over at documenteerspodcast.com. Help us get some local heat. Help us continue to grow this podcast. We like being a representative of Nashville, even if you don't have to be from Nashville to enjoy the show. Thank you very, very much for doing so, and keep on doc.